You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You know, you have to picture what a pharmacist does today in comparison to what our grandfather, father pharmacist did 20, 25 years ago. This is a clinical world that we're in now, inundated with so much information and data. And pharmacists are there to collect the data that is directly associated with the patient's medications. Duh. Okay, that's exactly what a pharmacist does. Picture what else a pharmacist do. Most people think filling prescriptions when an industry is moving as fast as we are. Pharmacogenomics is one of my most favorite subjects. And that's the reason that PGX for Pharmacists is one of our leading podcasts. We're so excited that Dr. Sarami Banaz has come back to actually take over this station along with Dr. Becky Winslow. And she has a special guest today, Dr. Sarami. Welcome back to the PGX for Pharmacists. Thank you, Todd. And uh, with me, I have Dr. Carrie Lalonde, who I'm excited to talk about today. Um, yeah, I will have her introduce herself because she has a, she does a lot of things. She's got a lot of roles, but she's a director of clinical pharmacogenomics at RX Genomics. And uh, I really am excited she's here. So th- thanks, uh, Carrie, for being here this morning. Thank you both very much for having me. This is an exciting time in PGX. Um, you know, since 2015, this has really blossomed. So Pharmacogenomics is an exciting world, and it's helping to define precision medicine as at an ultimate level. I mean, you really can't get any more precise than an individual's DNA. And helping pharmacists and pharmacies implement this tool into their tool belt is where we're really beginning to go. Um, but as pharmacists, back to Benaz's point, um, I am the director of clinical pharmacogenomics. Um, I mentor and train pharmacists, um, both clinically as a support tool for them as they're implementing PGX into their practices. We help with business development um, so that, that can be, this can be a successful tool, again, for them while they're moving forward. Um, the ideal situation is for that clinical pharmacist in the pharmacy to become the hub if you're looking at a wheel and then there's all the spokes. So the pharmacist is the hub for that patient and they work with all the providers for that individual. And you know that hub wheel spoke kind of a concept then creates an interdisciplinary team with the primary focus being the pharmacist who is the drug expert. Yeah, and I know you educate a lot of providers on PGX and a lot of pharmacists as well, but what I hear a lot of pharmacists have uh, are challenged or barriers to implementing PGX when they're in a retail pharmacy setting. So I didn't know if you could talk a little bit about how they can kind of uh, incorporate that in their flow of work um, and implement it a little better or kind of give them some clinical pearls about that. 
since you talk to a lot of them all day, every day? Sure. I will do the absolute best I can because, um, again, it's, it's kind of like anything else. It's very personalized depending upon the practice, depending upon the flow of that practice is going to determine um, the best way to implement it. Um, there are some pharmacies who have employed, um, a specialist, you know, a special pharmacist, they've worked with a consultant pharmacist and brought them in to handle the pharmacogenomic side, but probably one of the best, um, ways to implement PGX is as a clinical tool or as a clinical service. Um, I do a lot of training on what we call our concierge pharmacist model. And why this is super important is we want pharmacists to get paid for their time. We want them to get paid for their knowledge. A lot of times we are, we're, we're philanthropic in the sense that, you know, we're used to going into a pharmacy or having a patient walk into a pharmacy and they're asking us a question about a product and we begin a conversation with them. And next thing you know, we're 30 minutes in and guess what? We can't bill for that. We can't get paid for That's that. That's right. Yeah. So if we look at this from the standpoint of like doctors have developed a concierge model, pharmacists now need to develop a concierge model. And what that entails is something more of um, maybe a subscription. So if your patient comes in, say you've got your pharmacogenomics, you know, you've got your testing kits out, your talking points, your brochures, the patient walks in, they ask you about it. Okay. When they get to that point, you can incorporate it from the standpoint, again, as a membership, um, maybe it's a hundred dollar membership fee and then $24.99 a month. Um, that includes maybe a PGX test, but in that clinical services, it's not just PGX. You're also offering you know, diabetes. Maybe you're offering, you know, um, hypertension management and kind of chronic care management. Um, maybe you've got nutritional supplements in your, in your pharmacy. Okay. Maybe you're giving them a 10% discount. So you've got, you know, your initial hundred dollar fee pays for your PGX test, um, $24.99 a month, minimum 12, 12 months, um, and then covers that cost of whatever the lab or the company is charging you that you're working with for that PGX consult. Now the timing is always an issue. I mean, that's the money side of it, but time is always an issue. Um, initially when you start out, I'm not going to lie. It can take you six to eight hours to read a report. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is because we are very detail oriented as pharmacists and we don't want to miss a thing. Um, however, when we start doing this, one of the things that I learned initially was that I need to keep my focus on the why. Why did the provider want the PGX test? Okay. Or why did the patient want to have a PGX test completed? If I can stick with that focus and then move past that after I've addressed it through my recommendations, then you can not only have the patient keep coming back to you to utilize that clinical services package that you've offered them, but you've also proven that there's, you know, the value to the provider. So now you've got patients coming in, they want PGX tests. You've got providers who are seeing the value because now you've taken the weight of prescribing off of them. You know, um, their medication management from that standpoint, if it's chronic care disease management with PGX, guess what? You can help those providers actually make more money. Um, most insurance companies are quality based now. So they're reimbursing based on quality versus quantity. So if you have a patient who comes back more frequently for that chronic um, disease state management, that provider's reimbursement theoretically is going to be dropping every single time they see it. So um, that's just some of the ways to, to overcome some of the barriers. That, that's correct, Carrie. But, um, you know, in independent pharmacies, it's actually more feasible that way. You're right, uh, actually, to hire an extra person, just focus on that. And they can do MTM, they can go through diabetes education, maybe uh, teach them how to use their inhalers or things like that. So those are extra services that actually brings income 
and revenue also patient quality for the independent pharmacies. But do you see that same challenge in a retail like chain store where it's just so busy and they're really concerned is more the volume than anything else to have that they would have to still, you recommend they still would have to hire an extra person just to come in uh, just to do that on the side or the pharmacists that are already working within the pharmacy chain kind of take time out of what they're doing and, and the flow to kind of do the PGX because because that's the struggle that I hear a lot of pharmacists trying to uh, get around. Does that make sense? Well, the big yeah, that makes sense. So the biggest manual lift as far as time is concerned is the very first consult. Um, you go through the interview process with the patient. It'd be very similar to an MTM interview. So it's anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes on average, depending on the complexity of the patient. Um, once the PGX test is completed, usually five to seven day turnaround on average to get those results. The pharmacist reads the results. Again, depending upon the level of experience, um, it can take anywhere from 15 minutes to eight hours. Um, part of my goal is to get it down to that 15 minutes to 45 minute range. Um, again, depending upon the complexity of the patient. So that right there is your heaviest lift. Okay. Once you've developed your recommendations, you've read the report, you've developed your recommendations, you've discussed them with the patient's provider or providers. Um, and then you go back and you talk to the patient. So all total, if you are talking from soup to nuts, starting with the interview process, all the way down to the patient discussion after you've come to a conclusion with the provider, um, I would say it's about four hours. Okay. After that, it's, it's management. It is literally just medication management. So if we can get past, if we can get past that first section, if whether it's a dedicated pharmacist once a week, um, maybe somebody on staff is just that one person. And then as the PGX business grows, it will begin to support itself financially and become an extra revenue stream. Again, helping our pharmacists and our pharmacies to get paid for their knowledge, not just giving it away all the time. Can I chime in and just ask a quick question as the bystander non-pharmacist in the conversation <laughs> that's watching you two uh, lightsaber duel the information <laughs> back and forth? Great. But here's my question. As a business person, I'm a community pharmacist, and I know I have patients who are candidate for a PGX test based on the medications that they're on and have never had a test before. Or it's a new occurrence that came up with a drug that came in that we know is probably one of the candidate drugs, uh, medications that would call for a PGX test to ensure that it works as intended. Is there a process, Carrie, that you have designed and or have in mind to implement that is more proactive from the pharmacist reaching out to the primary care physician saying, hey, I, I see that you put Miss Gillicuddy on the ABC med and wanted to know if um, we should consider a PGX test for this, or does that get into the realm of, you know, pissing doctors off or something like that? Well, there are some, there are some physicians who are very pro who are proactive and are seeing PGX and seeing what it has to offer. Um, sadly right now, PGX is still a reactive product. Um, when a patient has an adverse drug reaction to something, um, even though, you know, a medication like warfarin, more doctors are saying, yeah, you know what, let's get a PGX test. The challenge we, we begin running into is then we, be, we don't utilize a comprehensive panel all the time. They're utilizing very um, gene-specific panels or um, disease-state-specific panels, whereas what I promote is that proactive approach in utilizing a comprehensive panel that looks at um, a broader range. So in saying that, you know, to your question, um, psychiatrists, are becoming more proactive because they don't want the patients to 
have to go through that trial and error process that they've gone through in the past. They want to find the right medication, the right dose for that patient the first time around. So how do you do that? Are you going to piss a doctor off if you, you know, go through your database and you say, hey, um, you know, XYZ patients have tried three or more antidepressants in the last nine months and reach out to that provider? If you approach it from a clinical standpoint, I think they're going to be very, very receptive. That's been my experience, experience with um, provider approach. You're going to still get some stubborn ones. I'd probably say about 75% um, are very receptive. The other 25% are still a little stubborn. But, you know, you can't change people overnight, right? You can't change minds. And, and I think the other thing that would be helpful is, is to have kind of software integrated in the um, pharmacy software they already have. So if patients have their prescription, let's say you're talking about warfarin, patient comes in any pharmacy and has a warfarin to pick up, but they have a PGX report that's, in a, you know, in their pharmacy software that says, you know, pops up saying, okay, because of this gene uh, test that did, the pharmacogenomics test they did, their gene is not responding. So warfarin is a no-no. And so let's contact the doctor and make sure that's what they want to give before the patient even comes to pick it up. I think that would be really awesome to have. And I don't know if those system already exists or that's something somebody's looking into to have it. Um, so I, I don't know if you know of any, Carrie. I do actually, Benaz. Um, it's a good thing. I'm thankful that you brought that up because at Arc Genomics, we are in the process of partnering with um, a software company that is already integrated into every single piece of pharmacy software out there. Um, they're building a PGX platform within that. And not only is it implemented into the pharmacy software, but it's also integrated into um, electronic health records or EHRs as well. So it's a a twofold opportunity, not just for a pharmacist, for, but also for a provider. And, you know, circling back around to having a conversation with a provider, again, as the pharmacist is the hub of that, you're taking off, you're taking away, you're not taking away, but you are implementing, hmm, that's not the right word. Um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? You're helping the pharmacist, you're helping the provider to actually um, broaden their practice. Um, they can get more patients in at a higher level of reimbursement versus again, going back to that original conversation. So I just want to kind of take it full circle as to what you said with the integration into pharmacy software, but also integration into provider software and making that pharmacist the central, um, the central or the focal point. Yeah. Cause right now when you uh, are uh, reviewing your medications, it, you do get a pop-up, like, you know, there's an interaction with me, these two medications, have you checked, or this patient is taking too many, um, you know, of the same class, have you checked, like, these pop-ups automatically come up with all kinds of softwares in any pharmacy setting, but it would be awesome to have that special other PGX software in there, it says, okay, they're taking warfarin, for example, did you know what the um, gene is, even if they haven't tested it, do you want to check with the provider, and so that gives another tool for us to have that conversation with the provider we've probably never met or just get their prescription and, you know, maybe send them something just over online. We don't have to print out or mail or anything like that. It would be something you click and they send and it'll be really cool. Um, I'm excited to, to know that you guys are working on that. That's awesome. I think it's very much needed and that's how really it should really be done for everybody. Yep. And and I agree with you. And that's our goal. Um, I would probably say we're anywhere from three to six months out from um, from full rollout on that. We are still testing it. And then we're going to test it within our own pharmacist population 
and then it'll probably roll out to um, a much broader audience. So it'll be exciting to come back and talk to you more about that when, when the integration oh, occurs. Oh, for sure. We want you back for sure. Well, thank you. Well, I appreciate you, your time, Carrie, today and sharing with us. I'm sure we'll um, roll back with you again and talk to you about it and see how it's going because it's really much needed for everybody. Absolutely. My pleasure, Benaz. And Todd, did you have any, from the, from the standpoint of a, a non-pharmacist, what can I, is there anything I can answer for you um, or anything that your listeners may want to hear a little bit about? Yeah. So I always want that independent community pharmacist in their, in their place, the trusted place that they provide to their community, 23,000 of them out there, um, you know, impacting that many communities. And I want to know when the opportunity is for them to be proactive in assigning a, you know, um, a residency or, or, or forming an appy for a, for a, a student, or I'm sorry, not a student, but a pharmacist who wants that experience, setting them in front of that uh, pharmacy management system, having them print out everyone who is um, on a medication that would be sensitive, especially the psychotropics. When, um, when, when Banaz and I had her first episode in taking over PGX for pharmacists, we were talking specifically about the psychotropics and how sensitive it is to titrate from zero, you know, milligrams to whatever they are in order to, to have it work as it, as intended. And, and Banaz, you were saying it might take months uh, to, to level up on a psychotropic. That scares me. You know, when I, when I think of, when I think of all the disease states and all the conditions, obviously oncology re reminds me of the most serious because it could, you know, Plavix for God's sakes might not work if it, if it's not going to, it's not going to break down in your system as intended. And then you die on the operating table. That's there's true stories out there that, that PGX could have saved lives. But on the psychotropic side, I think of all those frustrated parents. I think of those frustrated, um, you know, people that are on uh, psychotropics that are suffering with mental mental health and some, you know, issue behavioral health. And I immediately think, where's the community pharmacist? Where's that pharmacist that could dig down into their patient base and then kick off some kind of form that looks very professional, that has the diagnosis of everything available of what that patient's on and giving the physician the reasoning, reaching out to them saying, hey, doc, I think we should run a PGX test for this patient. I don't think that seems aggressive from the pharmacist side. I think it seems extremely clinical and, and extremely consultative. I agree with you, Todd, it is. And in the community pharmacy, that's one of the best ways to be proactive. Um, you know, we, we provide our pharmacists that join our genomics, we provide them with a, a trifle that has a listing of all the PGX, relevant PGX medications that are out there, um, including the top 15, which are the most commonly prescribed. So if they were to go through their database, print off that listing, and then contact those providers, um, one, of the most, one of the best conversations and easiest ways to get a, even a, a non-behavioral health provider on board is to ask them and say, hey, how many times a year do you prescribe Plavix? To a patient, and you know, most of them are going to say, "Shoot, I don't know. I probably hundreds." Well, are you aware that 25% of those patients are walking around subtherapeutic, and they're at risk of having another heart attack, having another stroke, um, or some other condition that could potentially wind them up in the hospital, or, or worse? Um, a lot of times, those those providers are then receptive because they're like, "Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Maybe I should really start testing any patient I consider Absolutely. prior to doing that." And the, here's okay. another layer of the onion because of the, 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 what's it called, litigious world that we live in is when, when someone catches up with all of this from that legal perspective, there could be these lawsuits that are put out based on suing pharma 
because of knowing that, hey, we had the technology to test, so why didn't you test? So I think that there is multifaceted reason that the pharmacist is in fact the hub of healthcare where they're seeing the patient 10 times more than the, the primary care. They have an opportunity to dig down into the medication records and they also have an opportunity to kick off or punt back to the physician. Hey, listen, we have a case that we think that we should run a PGX test and then be on record saying that because you also have a license to think about. So there could multiple things happening out there that I think it, it number one, it's a it's the right thing to do from a clinician's perspective. Number two, you are the pharmacist that is for that patient's best interest. And number three, I think there's a business opportunity here. Absolutely. Um, you're right on all fronts. And from the legal standpoint, you're correct. Um, this is one of the issues when I was talking about gene, you know, specific panels, whether it's behavioral health or cardiovascular, there's a ton of overlap in, in the genetics um, and these drug gene implications. So while you may be talking initially about CYP2C19, in regards to Plavix, uh, but the patient's also on citalopram, but because you're talking to a cardiologist versus a psychiatrist, um, you, that gets missed. And that's where the clinician and the pharmacist, um, that clinical specialist comes into play and can say, hey, you know what? Um, I need to not only talk to your cardiologist, but I also need to talk to your psychiatrist. But you know what? We do a comprehensive panel. So in that comprehensive panel, we're also looking at transporters. We're looking at all these other opportunities um, to really help that patient in their life as they move forward. So if they're 20, if they're 30, if they're 40, if they're 50, you've already pre-identified anything that may be of harm to them and you've prevented those adverse drug reactions. You've prevented those events. So again, from the standpoint of not only just the community pharmacist, now the patient's gonna keep coming back to you because you've got their genetic results and they know you have their best interest at heart. Absolutely. I and love Todd, to add, I, I apologize, but Todd, to add to your point, you were talking about student rotations in school. I actually was looking into that yesterday, a couple actually for a couple of days, but more yesterday in depth about a lot of pharmacy schools don't have that type of rotation geared towards just PGX. And so what I've done is partnered with uh, one of our coll uh, universe, uh, colleges here, pharmacy schools, and become a preceptor for them. So I'm creating a curriculum to um, take a student where kind of now they they taking the class in the school, but now how to implement it and what I'm doing and what you can do with it. So I'm pretty excited about that. So, but yeah, I think it's it's not a lot of schools have that opportunity for students as part of a rotation five weeks. So I think it's great that more pharmacists, whatever roles they have, and if they're in a PGX setting, they can be a preceptor for other students coming out. So. Awesome, that's terrific. Well, I thank you both. Uh, Banaz, you just are driving this. So I, I love these conversations. It gets me excited to think that pharmacists are, are being educated with the latest. And Carrie, please don't be a stranger and, and come back. Oh, we'll definitely have her back with us for sure. Absolutely. Thank you both very, very much. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to everything that the future has to offer and um, our outreach and your outreach to all of our pharmacists out there. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation, thanks so much for listening to PGX for Pharmacists. Please uh, take a look at all of the episodes at pgx4rx.com. Once again, that's pgx4rx.com. 
And Carrie's information is going to be posted in our show notes. She works for an amazing organization, really pressing and pushing the envelope for Rx Genomics, and that's rxgenomics.com. And once again, those will be in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit pgx4rx.com. That's pgx4rx.com. 